This Bee Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate, so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K through 12th grade curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. If you want to bring IXL to your school, you can learn more at IXL.com backslash B-E. That's IXL.com backslash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, activity periods, RTI, therapy, and teacher appointments, and much more. With its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE. This is Dr. Karen, and this is the Are They 18 Yet podcast, where I help parents raise independent, self-sufficient kids without sacrificing their own identity and sense of purpose. I'm here to share practical day-to-day solutions for raising kind, successful, well-adjusted human beings, and actionable advice for supporting systemic changes so we can make this world a more inclusive, accepting place now and for future generations. Hey everybody, it's Dr. Karen and welcome to episode 36 of the Are the 18 Yet podcast. And this episode, I'm going to continue the discussion on food. And today I'm going to talk about some common fruits and vegetables and why they are sometimes difficult for kids to eat or maybe not even kids, sometimes even adults or older people who still have some food aversions and sensory sensitivities. And I'm going to talk about some suggestions or things you consider to help to encourage your kids to eat more fruits and vegetables with some of these things in mind. Now, before I get going, I wanted to say, obviously, this should not be considered medical advice. I am sharing this from the perspective of someone who does have a background in oral motor development as well as behavioral training, but obviously if you do have a medical condition, you should consult a doctor before trying any changes in your diet and all of those kinds of things. And as I said in episode 35, I'm also not going to be promoting any kind of fad diet or magical cure for any specific condition. I know there are some things out there that claim to be those things. That is not what I'm doing here. What I'm doing here is just sharing some tips that you can make to help your family 
eat healthy and make better choices when it comes to food and also just expand your palate, especially if there are things that you are having a hard time getting your kids to eat and you're concerned about the range of food they're eating and their nutrition. Because as I have said before, the level of alertness you have and the brain development that happens during those early years is so important. So it is important to have good nutrition to make sure that you have energy to be able to focus, to feel good, and to be able to pay attention when you need to day to day. Obviously, if you're hungry, it can be really hard to be focused and regulated. And then there's the brain development as well. Over time, there are obviously cumulative effects. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about some specific things. And actually, I'm going to get into kind of a brief overview or just a couple of the tips that I go through in my Simple Family Meals Guide. So the Simple Family Meals Guide is actually a six-week plan for parents and families. And actually, if you are a practitioner, such as a speech pathologist, a special ed teacher, and you want to either use it with your own family or you want to share some tips with some of your students that you work with who are working through some different sensitivities, then this could be also useful for you as well. But the Simple Family Meals Guide is a six-week plan that shows you how to make sustainable changes to your family and your kids' diets over the course of a six-week period by making one habit change per week. We focus on one habit at a time because, as you may have found, if you have tried to make any type of change to really anything in your life, but especially eating, it can be really hard to totally overwork something in one week and just all of a sudden change everything, that can be really hard to stick with. And when you are working with kids, you can get a lot of resistance. So it is important to make those gradual changes over time. Because as I mentioned in episode 35, a lot of times when kids or people in general are having a hard time with eating, they have a very restricted palate, a lot of times it's a skill-based issue because there are a lot of skills that are involved in eating when it comes to chewing and manipulating food, as well as being able to acquire a taste for different tastes and textures. So that's definitely a skill-based issue. It's not something that is just, you know, they're just being stubborn to be stubborn. There are definitely some skills, and so that's why it's important to make changes gradually. And of course, if you do need some more intensive intervention, to seek out a feeding specialist. But I will tell you, if you do go to some kind of professional like that, they are going to recommend that you create some structure in your environment and that you have good habits outside of whatever sessions that they're giving you. So these environmental changes are really important and they can be really helpful and powerful regardless of whether you want to just try to make some changes to your habits on your own or whether you want to do it in conjunction with some other therapies or interventions. And I walk you through how to do that in the Simple Family Meals Guide. So to get access to that guide and get that six-week plan for helping your family develop 
healthier eating habits and start to eat things like even vegetables, then just go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash meal guide to check it out. Again, that's drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash meal guide. Right. I think the easiest way for me to do this is to separate foods into categories that commonly come up when we're talking about kids and food and talk about some common misconceptions or mistakes and then talk about how you can think about things a little bit differently. And the thing is, is that I can't tell you exactly what to have your kids eat or try to have your kids eat, but I can give you some general guidelines. And the reason that that is the case is because there are a lot of different preferences when it comes to sensory profiles. So something that is totally fine for one person to eat might be something that is really triggering and just really hard for someone else to eat. And so what you really have to do is just train yourself to see these different textures and notice these subtle changes that might not be a big deal to you, but might be a bigger deal to your kids and help guide them through gradually exposing them without force feeding them or doing anything crazy. I know that we talked about why you know bribery and rewards and things like that aren't the best option as far as getting your kids to try different things, but Just being aware of these differences can be really helpful because a lot of times it can be hard to identify a pattern when you're thinking about, okay, why won't they eat this? Why will they eat this and not this? And why is it so hard to get them to eat certain things? Sometimes there might be certain things that you don't notice because you do have a very well-developed palate or a more of a developed palate than your kids. And being aware of these different things can be helpful in problem solving and understanding why your kids are refusing certain things or why it's harder for them to eat different things. And also can give you an idea of how to gradually introduce things over time so that you are gradually changing their habits. Again, we don't wanna do some complete overhaul overnight. And the other thing is that when you are presenting different things to them, you want to think about things that are presented in the order of easiest to hardest. So one way that we would do that is consider just the different textures. If you have something that is a completely different texture that your kids don't like, it might not be the best thing to try to introduce. Maybe you want to introduce something that's a little bit different but has some similarities. So that might be easier to get them to expand that way and start introducing new things as opposed to going to something that is just completely different from what they're used to eating. So what I'm going to do is separate things into three categories. I'm going to talk about sweets, then I'm going to talk about some common fruits, and then I will wrap up by talking about vegetables. So let's start off by talking about sweets. As you probably know, these are pretty easy to eat, and they're pretty easy to get your kids to eat. They're also easy to get addicted to and eat a lot of, 
And a lot of things that do have a lot of added sugar or high fructose corn syrup or really any other sweeteners that may claim to be healthy but really are just empty calories are things that don't necessarily meet your nutritional needs. So I think that's probably not news to anybody. You know, as I'm recording this, it's a couple days after Halloween. And so obviously you don't hear a lot of kids complaining about eating their Halloween candy, for example. So the thing is, is that a lot of times people will assume that things need to be super sweet in order to get kids to eat them. And there are a lot of foods that are prepackaged as organic, healthy options, but they have a lot of added sugar. So this is one place where you really want to be careful as far as the things that you're giving your kids, because a lot of things are prepackaged, but they have a ton of extra sugar, as I've said. So things like yogurts, juices, um, even applesauce. And, And here's the thing is that a lot of times we are actually training our kids to have their taste buds overwhelmed with flavor. Again, I think a lot of people know that there are many foods that are almost engineered to be addictive, but they don't make you feel full and they don't feed a lot of your nutritional needs, or maybe they do meet some of your nutritional needs, but they have a lot of added extra stuff that isn't necessarily serving you. So this would be the number one place that I would recommend intervening because what this is going to do is if you can gradually decrease the amount of extra sugar and additives that your kids need, what that's going to do is allow them to not be as dependent on that. Because what happens is that if they get used to eating a lot of these things, I mean, I I can think of a ton of other things like fruit roll-ups and fruit snacks and all kinds of things that, again, they might have vitamin C in them that's added, but they're not actually fruit. And what you can do is if you can gradually start moving away from these things as snack foods, then what you can do is, number one, start replacing these with actual fruits, for example, that do taste sweet, but your kids are getting used to the natural level of sweetness in different fruits and vegetables instead of the added unnatural sweetness of these other types of things. Because what people don't realize is that sometimes if you eat a lot of those things in your diet, you're kind of dependent on them. And then it makes it even harder to, at other times in the day, eat other things that don't have all of that extra stuff. Again, like vegetables and fruit that don't have a lot of added extra sugar, but they do have naturally occurring sugar. Cutting this back can be as simple as eating some of the same things or drinking some of the same things, but just diluting them a little bit, such as putting a little bit of water in juice. Sometimes it's hard to get kids to drink enough water. So if you put a little bit of electrolyte with a little bit of flavor or just a little bit of juice in water, that can be a way that you can get kids a little less dependent on the really intense sweet taste. Or even with things like applesauce, Actual applesauce with just apples with no added sugar is actually pretty sweet. 
And so if you start buying the kind that doesn't have added sugar, a lot of times you just acquire a taste for the natural flavor of it. And you still get some of that sweetness. And again, as I said, substituting fruit instead of fruit snacks is a good way to go as well. So that's one place where a lot of people don't realize that they are having an impact on their kid's palate by giving them one thing. And it's actually making it harder to eat other things if you eat too much of something that does have a lot of additive. With other things, sometimes what you can do is if you do find that it is a little bit harder to get your kids to eat the things that have less sugar, sometimes you can add a little bit of something such as some cinnamon or, again, and you want to do this sparingly, if you have some kind of organic maple syrup, sometimes that's a little bit of a better option than something that comes with a ton of sugar. Again, you do want to, with that, use it sparingly, but that is a better option to get something without and then start to add some of those things that are a bit of a healthier option instead of getting something that already comes with a ton of sugar that you aren't able to control. So that would be my first thing is to be aware of that. That could definitely have an impact on the amount of sugar that you need in order for something to need to taste good to you. It's kind of like with video games. Again, if you are looking at a screen all day, it's harder to look at a book, for example, that doesn't have a whole bunch of lights and things like that because you're kind of training your brain to be overstimulated. We don't want to train our palate to need to be overstimulated by all of these extra things that we know aren't necessarily serving us. So that's the first category. What I wanted to move on to next is fruits, since I've already been somewhat talking about that because I recommended that that be a replacement as a snack. Obviously, that's a better option than candy, fruit snacks, or a lot of the prepackaged things that are available for kids. So fruit can be a very good snack, but what a lot of people have found is that there are certain textures with fruits that some kids do find aversive. The most obvious one is bananas. I know a lot of people just cannot handle the texture of bananas. They are a great snack. If you do want to get some more potassium, one way to get them in if you don't like the texture is to put them in a smoothie. I always think that my smoothies taste better when I put a banana in them, but some people just really don't like the texture. So smoothies are a good option even for kids because you can put a lot of stuff in there and you can definitely kind of hide a lot of stuff in there and kids might not necessarily know that it's in there and There are a lot of pre-packaged smoothie type of things you can get, but again, you have the issue of the added sugar, so it can be a better option to make it from home because then you know exactly what's going in there. And you have control over the ingredients, and you can also add additional things in there if you want to get some additional protein or nutrition or whatever it is that you want your kids to eat more of. So that is definitely a good option for bananas. And I say that again because it's one of the more popular fruits and it's also one of the fruits that does have kind of a unique texture that is something that a lot of people don't like to eat. So I wanted to talk about some other common things that tend to be an issue for people who do have some sensory issues. 
Let's talk about apples. So I don't know about you, but we do not have a consensus on apples in our household. My husband likes the really crisp, tart apples, and I like the red delicious apples, although he doesn't like those because sometimes you get them and they're really good and sweet and crisp. And those are the kind that I like, but sometimes you get them and they're kind of gross and mushy. So those types of things matter. Again, a lot of times with specific fruits, especially with apples, there are so many different kinds that if you have somebody who doesn't like a certain texture, or if you have an apple that's really ripe, or if it's a little bit bruised, and it is kind of mushy, then you might maybe be working on eating more fruits and you might give your child an apple. And if it doesn't exactly have the same texture or there's a subtle difference in texture, that can be something that might make it more difficult for them to eat. So when you are thinking about expanding to different fruits, apples are a really good option because they're pretty durable. They're easy to pack in lunches. You can cut them up into slices and things like that. But again, there are so many different options and different textures. So it is useful to think about the types of textures that your kids are already eating and try to pick a brand that is very similar to what they're already eating and and try a bunch of different options out. You might have to try a couple of different ones to find one that is preferable for your kids and Depending on how your family works, if you have a family like mine where we don't have a an agreement on what kind of apples we like, sometimes either people might have to compromise or you might have to get several different kinds. So that's definitely something to consider. So I would apply this concept with just being aware of the texture, the level of ripeness, and the brand when you are buying fruits and introducing fruits. And another thing is with the presentation, sometimes if someone is particular about their food, giving someone a full apple, for example, versus giving someone apple slices can make a difference. So some people want things a certain way. And so that might be something you have to consider. And then another thing is if you are cutting up apples, and this would be true with with pears as well, that sometimes they get brown when you pack them in your lunch. So you do have to put a little bit of lime juice on them to make them not be brown. And then that makes them taste a little bit different. So those are some other things that you might have to consider and work through depending on the preferences of the people that you're feeding. All right, so let's wrap up with talking about vegetables, which is kind of the mammoth that is for a lot of people, the most difficult thing to eat and get kids to eat. Honestly, I know adults who still don't like to eat vegetables, so there's definitely no shame there. It's definitely one of the categories that while it is very nutritionally dense, there are so many different textures and it does make it hard to figure out how to prepare vegetables and figure out how to introduce vegetables into your diet in a way that is sustainable and in a way that gets your kids on board. What I wanted to do is talk about some common mistakes that people make. And part of it is 
to do with some of these, you know, people taking Instagram selfies with their smoothies after their yoga workout or whatever. And the thing is, is that a lot of them are like, oh, look at this kale shake that I just ate. And here's the thing is that if you are trying to introduce vegetables into your diet and you don't eat a lot of vegetables, or if you're doing this with your kids and you want to get them to eat more vegetables, something like kale is probably one of the worst things that you can start with because it's really bitter, it's really dense, and to be honest, I know a lot of adults that don't like to eat it. So because it has such a strong flavor, yes, it's a superfood and it has a lot of value nutritionally, but this is not necessarily the best place to start because, again, if you have someone who has aversions, something that has that really bitter taste is going to have a hard time with it. I would say the same thing about some of the other th- greens that are out there that, again, are are really good for you, but they don't taste good and they are kind of hard to eat. So things like bok choy, collard greens, yeah, they're good for you, but they are not the easiest to eat if you haven't been eating a lot of vegetables. Those are what I'd say um, if you had to categorize vegetables like math, those are not addition and subtraction. Those are like the calculus of eating vegetables. So don't start there. Don't worry about what these selfie Instagram smoothie people are saying, start with something that's a little bit easier. And if you can even introduce a couple of vegetables compared to none, that's going to be something that is going to make a big difference. And that can lay the groundwork for having a palate that is able to tolerate more textures and things like that. If you are going to introduce some kind of greens, spinach can be a better option because it has a milder flavor and it can be a little bit easier to sneak into smoothies. I wouldn't say that you want to be deceptive with your kids, but it is something that you can work in without changing the flavor as much. So obviously don't lie to your kids and try to trick them into doing anything that they don't want to, but It is something that you can add, you know, if you said something like, oh, I'm going to add some different ingredients today and and that can be a little bit easier to drink if you put it in a smoothie compared to some of those other things that have a stronger flavor. Because when you add spinach to a smoothie, it changes the flavor a little bit. It definitely changes the color. So you, you like I said, you can't hide it. But If you add kale, you can really tell the difference and you can't tell as much with spinach. So that is a better place to start. And if you are introducing things like salads, same thing goes. If you use greens such as spinach, romaine, those types of things, the taste isn't quite as strong and pungent as something like kale or some of the other greens like arugula, which are all good things to introduce, but they might be things that you want to do later. Again, I don't think that there's any hard and fast rule, but these are just things to consider. You might have kids that you introduce some of those things that I've said are a little bit harder and you provide exposures and maybe they can do it. I I would never, I would never assume that someone can't do something, but 
if you notice that they are having a harder time, that might be why. So other things that can be easier, and again, this totally depends on someone's sensory profile, but this is just based on my experience, based on how I started to learn to eat vegetables and also how some of the parents that I've mentored have been able to start working it into their kids' diets is starting with raw vegetables that are crunchy and that have some kind of dip that goes with them. Again, with dip, you want to make sure that they're not just using the vegetable to spoon the dip into their mouths and only eating the dip. But if you start with something like like hummus or even ranch dressing in moderation, you can introduce things like carrots, maybe even some bell peppers that are cut up, maybe even some raw broccoli, some snap peas, some things that are crunchier. And again, you might not want to try all those things at once, but those are good options for raw vegetables. They make a good snack on the go. And sometimes if that's what's available to your kids, they'll eat that. So if you have Cheetos versus carrots, obviously the Cheetos might be more enticing. But if you can structure your day so that the good things are options and they have multiple options to pick from, then sometimes it makes it a little bit easier to make a better choice. Sometimes having too many choices makes it harder to make a good decision. So narrowing the options, not in a way that is manipulative, but in a way that is just narrowing the playing field so that it makes it easier to make a decision can be very helpful. I do this for myself in that sometimes I just don't buy things and have them at home because I don't want them to be an option. I don't want to have to make too many decisions when I'm trying to figure out what to eat. So having fewer options can actually be beneficial in that way because it just it just makes a decision easier. For me personally with vegetables, I found it easier to start with raw vegetables before moving to cooked vegetables. That is true for a lot of people because the texture of raw versus cooked is very different. And then also the way that you cook them can make a big difference, whether you steam it, whether you saute it with salt and olive oil, or whether you use canned vegetables. All of those have very different textures. When you have raw they are crisp and crunchy. When you have vegetables that are steamed, but they're kind of al dente, they are a little bit crispy still. But then if you overcook them, for example, with broccoli, a lot of times if you overcook it, it's kind of gross and mushy. And some people like it like that. It's not my preference. I prefer it to have a little bit of crunch to it. I actually, even when vegetables are sautéed, I like them to be browned a little bit. So there are so many different things you consider when it comes to the texture of vegetables and the way that they're prepared. So when you're thinking about all of those things, you might have a child who might be fine eating a raw carrot with some ranch dressing, for example, but then you steam carrots and they don't have a lot of flavor to them or the texture is a little bit different, they're softer, and that can be a lot harder for them to eat. I know it took me a really long time to be able to eat cooked carrots. I started out eating them raw and then I was able to eat them cooked, but if they were cooked 
with a roast with a lot of the meat juice on them. And now I can eat them both of those ways. And I can also eat them if they are sauteed with olive oil. But if they are steamed or if they are canned, I still don't like to eat them because the the texture just almost makes me want to gag. So for some of those things, you know, you might have a couple ways that they like it prepared. So try it. And I would play around with this because a lot of times people will give up because they've tried it one or two ways and there might be some other options or maybe they tried it one way and then they tried it another way. So for example, they presented something cooked and raw and one worked and one didn't. And that's actually a lot of things that you're introducing at once. So I would try to narrow it as much as possible and offer your kids some grace because remember that being able to tolerate different textures is a skill Being able to tolerate different food consistencies is a skill. And so you want to have patience with that and remember that this is something that develops over time. So again, with all of these preparation things, whenever you're cooking something, the way it's prepared, the seasoning and the level of crispness or softness or crunchiness can make a difference. So If you're introducing something, especially if you have someone who does have a limited palate, you want to keep those things consistent before you make those subtle changes. So as I said, everybody has different preferences, so it's hard to say this thing is going to be easier than this thing, but you do have to just be observant with your kids and notice which things that they prefer. And then when you introduce new things, whether it be fruits, whether it be vegetables, whether it be removing sweets and trying to get them to hydrate better, you want to just consider where they are and make small increments towards where you want them to go rather than making a big jump. So these are my recommendations. Again, the areas that we talked about were sweets, fruits, and vegetables. Those are obviously three powerful areas that can make a big difference on your overall eating habits. And if you intervene in these areas, it can make a big difference in your ability to just tolerate different textures and tastes. Before we wrap up, I wanted to mention again that I know it can be a challenge as a parent to structure your day and plan ahead so that you are offering good food choices. And a lot of the things that I mentioned today do require some planning. So it requires some executive functioning on the parent's part because you do have to provide some structure in order to present different food options to your kids so that you are introducing things gradually that makes it possible for them to make changes over time. So that is exactly what I will help you do in the Simple Family Meals Guide. This guide is a six-week plan that will help you to make changes to your family's diet one week at a time, one habit at a time, and do it in a way that is sustainable, that doesn't require you to rely on any type of rewards or punishment or bribery in order to get your kids to eat certain things that will show you a way to introduce things gradually by considering all these different categories that I've talked about today in a way that is sustainable for you. And 
a secret spoiler, it is kind of like an executive functioning training for parents because it will help you to get organized and do this in a way that can enable you to plan ahead so that you can offer these healthy food choices to your kids and help them to expand their palate gradually over time so that they can be eating the food that they need in order to be alert and focused and have healthy brain development. The bad news is that I am not going to offer some kind of a magical cure for some specific condition, but the good news is you don't need that. Little changes can be really powerful over time, and the important thing is making sustainable changes that you can stick with so that you can set your kids on the right path when it comes to making good healthy choices about food and doing it in a way that is not forceful and in a way that helps to give them some independence and autonomy in the process. So I show you how to do that in the Simple Family Meals Guide. To get access, all you need to do is go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash meal guide. Again, that's drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash meal guide. For now, We will wrap this episode up. Remember that it helps us so much if you share this episode with your friends. So if you know someone who wants to help their kids develop independence and autonomy, and also, as we talked about today, create some healthy eating habits and make good decisions about food as they grow, then definitely share this with them. And That will help us to get this information into the hands of more people who need it. Thank you again for listening, and I will see you in episode 37. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments without just teaching to the test? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com backslash BE to learn how IXL's research-based teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com backslash BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into the master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. 
If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE.